Welcome to Linda's Corner, a podcast created to inspire hope, increase joy, and motivate positive change. Hi, my name is Linda Bjork. I'm an author, teacher, speaker, blogger, and founder and executive director of Hope for Healing, which is a nonprofit charity designed to help alleviate symptoms of depression and anxiety, relieve stress, build confidence and self esteem, and heal relationships. You can learn more by visiting our website at hopeforhealingfoundation.org. For today's episode, I'm going to share a segment from one of my books called Crushed. If you're joining us for the first time, I would suggest that you start at the first podcast, since stories tend to make more sense when you read them, or listen to them, in order from the beginning to the end. Chapter 22 A Taste of Success The following morning, I printed out my new declarations. I am loved. I know who I am. I love myself. My words have value. I have the courage to speak my truth. My efforts are noticed and appreciated by other people. I am making a difference for good in the world. And I rejoice in other people's successes. And taped them to my bathroom mirror. I also visualized putting on my shield and played epic music while saying my new list of declarations. I did feel a little silly, but I got through it. I also had a few complete conversations, and began inviting other people to be on my team. I'm not sure if those actions were what made the difference or not, but that very day, I survived getting a rejection letter for something that I had dared reach outside my comfort zone to try. It was disappointing, but not devastating. I was able to host dinner that night to welcome a new family that had moved into the neighborhood and be a gracious host. The following day, I was invited to lunch by another friend and former co-worker. I had gone back to work after all my children were in school, but it wasn't as fulfilling as I thought it would be and created unexpected issues at home. My rigid schedule did not mesh with my husband's constantly changing schedule, and we weren't able to see each other for days at a time. If we were in the position of trying to get started out in life, it would be worth a sacrifice, but in our current state, it was causing more harm than good for our family. At the completion of my year contract, I decided not to commit to another term, but I volunteered to help complete a project that I cared about deeply from home where I had more flexibility in my schedule. I had just finished my portion of the project and sent it in. This lunch was a celebration and a thank you for the volunteer service that I had rendered. I was happy to spend time with my friend, but because of our previous association, I was afraid that she might ask questions that pertain to my latest personal earthquake aftershock. I almost made it through the lunch without her broaching the subject, but as we were boxing our leftover food to take home, she asked a direct question. I set down my box and answered honestly and directly, while omitting details that might damage another person's reputation. More questions followed, and I answered those as well. She was supportive, and it really did feel like we were on the same team. It was rather liberating. A few weeks ago, I don't know what I would have done if something like this came up. 
I probably would have made up an excuse and avoided the lunch altogether, and maybe even ended the friendship if I felt it was too dangerous. I not only survived the lunch, it was actually a healing thing. And now I had another member on my team. Another day, we were taking a walk and saw some kids trying to repair the chain on their tandem bicycle. My husband immediately stopped and began to help them. As I watched him, I thought about how much I appreciated his kindness and his skills. I thought about how much richer my life has been because of his influence. I had been seeing him in a different light. I think I was falling in love with my husband. It's not that I ever stopped loving him. It's just that I was starting to remember what attracted me to him in the first place. For a long time, I had been terrified of him. Not that he's ever been abusive. I just feared what he thought of me. I guess that meant that I valued his opinion more than anyone else's. I wanted to try serving again, but wasn't sure if there was a place where my help was needed. I learned about a website called JustServe.org that lists service opportunities available by zip code. I entered my zip code and found over a hundred service opportunities within five miles of my house. I found two that I could do right away. One was a need for hygiene kits for incoming refugees. I went to the store with their recommended list of needed items and began gathering supplies. I invited a group of teenagers to help me assemble the supplies into individual kits and put them in gallon-sized Ziploc bags. Then I delivered the assembled kits to the drop-off location with a touch of apprehension. My last attempts at service didn't turn out so well. I was nervous that I was going to the wrong location or I misread the instructions or did something else wrong. But when I arrived and delivered the kits, it was the right place and they were very appreciative. I gave a sigh of relief. That wasn't so bad, I thought. I can do this. The next service opportunity was to help at a local food bank. When I told my family that I wanted to go, they surprised me by offering to go with me. I called to make an appointment, and we arrived at a tiny hidden building that I never knew existed until that day. The food bank receives donations, but sometimes the food is spoiled. Our first assignment was to go through boxes of bread to sort out the good bread from the moldy bread. We sorted through an entire wall of moving-sized boxes full of bread. Then, when that was finished, we helped organize donated food onto shelves so workers could easily see what was available to give to those in need. The work wasn't difficult, but it felt good. I learned that donation levels taper off during the summertime, and there isn't as much food to go around. People go on vacations and forget that there are hungry people in their neighborhoods. During the holidays, the shelves of the food banks fill as people remember to reach out to others. I had never even considered that fluctuation. I guess I fit in the same category as everybody else. I made a mental note to donate year-round rather than only during the winter season. Our house has an outbuilding that serves as my husband's workshop. He is always building something. Sometimes the projects turn out awesome, and sometimes they don't turn out so well. But he is driven by a need to create. The current shop project is a hovercraft. 
One day, during the same week that we went to the food bank, I went into the shop to see how his project was progressing. Usually, I just take a look and then return to the house. But this day, I stayed a while and listened while he talked about what he'd done and what needed to be done next. I watched while he applied strips of fiberglass cloth to cover the seams, and I held the roll of fiberglass for him while he cut it to the proper length. Then I stayed to watch as he applied the resin to the fiberglass strips with a paintbrush. After a while, I turned to leave, and he said, Thanks for coming out to watch and help today. I really appreciate it. I realized that it had been a long time since I did that. Another night that week, we camped out in our tent trailer. The tent trailer was pretty new to us. I had only slept in it one other time, and that was in the late autumn when we bought it. It was a horrible, uncomfortable, freezing, miserable, sleepless night, and I was reluctant to try again. Lewis had really tried to ensure that the next time would be a better experience. He bought me a new, warmer sleeping bag for Christmas and a mattress topper and kept asking me to go again. I was not remotely interested in trying a winter camping trip. I didn't care how warm the sleeping bag was supposed to be. As far as I was concerned, the tent trailer could find a new home elsewhere. However, now it was the beginning of summer, so I agreed to give it another try. I snuggled in my new sleeping bag and was relieved that I didn't feel every knot and every screw in every board through the new mattress topper. It was a pleasant night, and I appreciated the effort that he had made to make it more comfortable for me. We wanted to canoe down the Jordan River again. One of my daughters had been away to college when we went the first time, so the plan was for me to go with my two daughters. Lewis loaded the canoes. We have one two-person canoe and another single-person canoe. He had built the light, fabric-covered single-place canoe last year in his shop. He helped us put them in the water and drove to the takeout point to pick us up. When we arrived at the takeout point, he was there waiting for us and helped us take out the canoes and load them back on the truck. He even picked up lunch at Apollo Burger so we could have a picnic in the park. My husband is awesome, I thought. I'm so fortunate to have him in my life. Chapter 23. The Second Month. It had been a month since I began this journey. I still had a long way to go, but life was already so much brighter. I was in a very different place than I was when I received the invitation to attend a women's retreat. I wasn't sure if my actions have changed or not, but I didn't feel like I'm faking it like I was before. I felt different inside. It was now time for another body code session with Suzanne. I'm proud of you for being so consistent in returning and reporting your progress in your personal tracking forms, Suzanne began. You haven't missed a day. I can tell that you really want to progress. That's the way I was. I just ate it up. I spent at least an hour a day working on myself. I'm probably spending that much time each day as well, I replied. I want to keep moving forward, and I have such a long way to go. Good job, she said. The more you do every day, the faster you will progress. Okay, let's get started. Is there anything in particular that you want to work on today? No, I replied. Just follow the direction that my body says I need the most. All right, she said. Let's see. 
It looks like the priority is a mental image that you have of yourself. That's great. I love images because we can work to create a new image in our next mentoring session. That's one of the reasons that I love working with the body code and mentoring together. The body code can identify things that need to be removed, and then the mentoring tools can help to repair and rebuild. Okay, she continued. This is the image that you have of yourself. The first descriptive word is humiliation. That's an unusual word. Does that sound right? Yes, I replied. Why would you feel humiliated? She inquired. Because I'm not good enough, I began. I'm ashamed of my insignificance. I'm ashamed of my very being. I always want to disappear and hide. I would never have guessed that, she said. You seem so put together all the time. No wonder you have felt like a fraud. Well, we're going to change that, she said. Now, the next word is unworthy, and the next is worthless. Does that sound right? Yes, I replied. That pretty much describes me. Humiliated, unworthy, and worthless. This mental image is like a blueprint in your mind, she explained. Humiliation, unworthiness, and worthlessness have been the blueprint for your identity. Your mind will refer to this blueprint for all your thoughts and all your actions so it can build everything according to the plans. You need to do what you can to release this old blueprint and create a new one. You can do journaling to address these feelings, she continued. You can start by writing, I feel humiliated because, and things like that. Let's work on the next trapped emotion, she said. This one is from age six again. It's depression, but we need to know more. Why would you be feeling depressed? Because I'm unimportant, I said. I am invisible. Invisible, she said. I've heard you use that word a lot. We'll need to address that too. Are you doing any releases? Have you been doing journaling? No, I replied. That wasn't on the list of assignments. I've been doing declarations and singing, though. All right, she said. You need to add journaling. You're doing things to add positive, but you also need to release the negative. Do you remember the ping pong ball demonstration? Yes, I replied. Good, she said. Those negative feelings are in there, and they'll stay in there until you take them out. Do you understand journaling? I've talked about it, and I've assumed that you knew what to do. I kind of understand, I said. It's writing things down that come to mind and then destroying it. Okay, she said, let me explain that a little better. Journaling can also be called taking out the trash. Do you remember the image of the fruit tree and the roots? Yes, I said. All right, Suzanne continued. Journaling is a way to get to the root of the problem. When I was only doing body code and I was working on myself, I kept coming up with worthless. And I would remove it, but it kept coming back. I was removing the fruit, but it kept growing back. I hadn't addressed the root of the problem because I didn't know what the root was. Complete conversations are a verbal release 
and they give you a chance to say what you were never able to say. Journaling gets deeper. It helps you understand yourself better and get to the root of the problem. Think about that image of the fruit tree, she instructed. When you're journaling, you are starting with the fruit, which is the part that you see. You might write, I feel invisible because, across the top of the page. Then put the pen on the paper and write anything and everything that comes into your mind. Even if it seems strange, write it. What you're writing is like the branch that supports the fruit. When you can't think of anything else to write, you stop. Thank your body for what it found. Say, that was awesome. Thanks for finding that. Now, take me deeper. Put the pen down on the next line and start writing again. Write anything and everything that comes to mind. This will be like the trunk that holds the branches that supports the fruit. When you can't think of anything else to write, stop again. Thank your body for what it found and ask it to take you deeper. It may take pages and pages of writing to finally get to the root of the problem. As you write, you'll find some golden nuggets. These will be truths that you'll want to remember. Copy those things onto a separate place before you destroy the paper. This process will take a long time at first, but after practicing, you'll be able to get to the root much quicker. When I started my journey to healing, I wrote for an hour every day. I wrote and wrote and wrote. Does it have to be handwritten? I asked. When we were at the retreat and I was taking all those notes, my arm was so sore by the end of the day. I'm not used to doing a lot of handwriting. Can I just type on the computer? Well, she said, it's so much better if you can handwrite it because it makes a physical connection between your body and the pen and the paper to extract all those thoughts and feelings onto the page. One thing you can do to make it easier is don't worry about writing legibly. Just relax and let your hand flow. It doesn't matter if you can't read it afterwards because you're just going to destroy it anyway. It's interesting that your arm hurts, she went on. We can work on that with the body code in another session. Trapped feelings can settle in different parts of the body and affect us physically. You're a writer. It makes sense that some emotions got trapped in your arm. We'll see if we can get them out. Hopefully, that will help. Chapter 24 Good Enough? Another day had passed, and I still hadn't done any journaling. I know now that I was avoiding it, but I'm still not sure why. I had tried to be strictly obedient with everything that Suzanne had asked me to do, except for this one thing. The list of topics that I'm supposed to be journaling keeps getting longer and longer, but I don't even want to start it. I don't like writing freehand. My handwriting is terrible. I've never had neat, girly handwriting with cute, curly cues. I blame it on being left-handed, but it's probably not really that. Also, my hand, wrist, tendons, and arm muscles protest when I try to write. It's terribly uncomfortable. I like the Complete Conversation tool. I had some success with that, but I often couldn't think of anything to say. Nothing came to mind. I hadn't had any success with journaling yet. 
We made a few attempts at the retreat, but I didn't have time to finish anything. The only one I remember at all is the letter we were supposed to write to our body, and I didn't finish that one or destroy it. Perhaps I was scared to dig deeper. I didn't want any more ping-pong balls to surface. I don't want to deal with painful issues. Why couldn't they just go away on their own? Why did I need to acknowledge them first and remember them at all? It felt like going backwards, and I wanted to move forwards. I was in a pretty good place. Wasn't it good enough? Yesterday, my son, a college student, asked for advice with a homework assignment for his communications class. He was supposed to identify an unhealthy relationship and take steps to correct it. He had a discussion with his dad and sister, and they couldn't think of any unhealthy relationships in our home. They recommended that he think about his relationship with his friends as a source for his assignment. That one raised my eyebrows a bit. That indicated that my family seems to be satisfied with my progress and everybody was happy with the way things were. I wasn't feeling depressed anymore, and although I still struggled with anxiety somewhat, I could function and even contribute. It was good. And yet, it was recently brought to my attention that my mental image of myself consists of humiliation, unworthiness, worthlessness, and invisibility. That was the blueprint for my identity. That was obviously not good. I was going to have to come face to face with the root of my identity in order to move forward. And I really, really didn't want to. I wanted to bury it so deeply that I never had to think about it again. Was there no other way? I think I'll go for a bike ride rather than deal with it right now. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this section of the book. The next section is available on the following podcast. Please subscribe to receive updates when new episodes are available. The book Crushed is available on Amazon. And the audiobook version will soon be available on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. Again, my name is Linda Bjork. You can find more information by searching for Linda Bjork Hope for Healing, Linda Bjork Two Good Things, and Linda Bjork Innovative Joy. In closing, I'd like to leave you with an inspirational quote by Henry Nguyen. Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. I hope that today you choose joy. See you next time on Linda's Corner.